0: Psycho
1: killer It's
0: film Flamers. Hi, I'm Chris. Hi, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. Guys,
1: it is Pride Month. And we really wanted to choose a movie to talk about that sort of fit into the the horror <gasps> Uvra.
0: Yeah, we are a horror podcast, but technically we're also a gay podcast.
1: And we wanted to pick a movie that would check both of those boxes. And so we decided to cover... Stranger Stranger by by the Lake. Lake. And this was a first viewing for both me and Chris. I have been wanting to see this movie for quite some time, and I think I sort of like talked him into adding it to the list this year for Pride Month, right? Mm -hmm. So we've been – it's been on the list for – since we started this podcast. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, we both watched it for this recording. So Stranger by the Lake, or in French – L'inconnu du Lac is a 2013 French drama thriller film written and directed by Alain Gordy. Si, parfait. Oh, wow. The film premiered in the uh, Uncertain Regards section at the uh, 2013 Cannes Film Festival where Gaudi won the uh, award for Best Director. The film also won the Queer Palm Award and was mentioned on multiple top 10 lists of the best films of 2014.
1: That's right. It played in many, many festivals that year after Cannes, and I think that it was very, very highly regarded, and I think that we'll probably talk about that fairly soon. But Before we get started, this is L'Encône du Lac,
0: Stranger by the Lake.
1: Franck, played by Pierre de La spends his summer days visiting a quiet lake in the French countryside, which is very popular for nude sunbathing and anonymous gay sex. On his first visit that summer, he befriends an older man, Henri, played by Patrick Damasau. Who seeks quiet and solitude after the recent breakup with his girlfriend? While they shoot the shit, Franck notices a man, Michel, played by Christophe Pau, swimming in the lake and watches him as he enters the woods. Frank feels an attraction to him and excuses himself to follow the man. In the woods, Franck joins other men cruising the grounds. Some are trying to make connections, while others are already engaged in sexual activity or just watching. He finally finds his mystery man, who is already boning another guy. The next day, Franck returns to the lake and encounters Michel while swimming. On the shore, they exchange pleasantries and flirt a little, but are interrupted when another man walks up and demands that Michel join him in the woods. Upset, Franck joins Henri further down the beach and explains that every guy he meets or is interested in seems to be coupled. After Henri leaves, Franck enters the woods and gets an awkward handjob from a rando. After the handjob, Franck walks through the woods and notices Michel and his lover swimming and playing with each other in the lake. He watches from his wooded cover, and the couple's play gets a little more rough. Michel eventually drowns his lover in the deepest part of the lake. Franck watches Michel calmly leave the beach and head toward the parking area where Michel notices Franck's car. A terrified Franck leaves his hiding spot after nightfall. Very late the following day, Franck is sitting alone on a deserted beach when Michel approaches and joins him. The two share a conversation, a kiss, and a blowjob. The days pass and their relationship grows. They continue to meet in the woods for sex, but Franck becomes frustrated with Michel when he only wants to see him at the lake and never at home. When the body of the drowned man is discovered, an inspector begins to question men at the lake about the victim, including Franck and Michel, who each lie to him about their awareness of him. It is clear from the inspector's questioning they are both considered suspects. After a spat leaves him a little perturbed with the other, the two men once again find themselves sitting on the deserted beach. Michel invites Franck into the water to swim with him, which Franck, unsure what will befall him in the water, refuses. While watching, Franck reluctantly joins him in the water, where the two kiss and make up. After that, they have what can only be described as painful, rocky beach butt-sex. Seemingly happy with Michel again, although still wanting more, Franck returns to the lake and talks with Henri alone. Henri shares his feelings with Franck and describes his semi-platonic feelings for him, while also sharing that he finds Michel to be a strange and suspicious man. The conversation is cut short when Michel interrupts them, and Frank joins him at the beach. While Franck goes for a solo swim, Henri approaches Michel and in so many words accuses him of murdering the drowned man. Henri enters the woods and insinuates that Michel should follow him. Back on the beach, Franck finds them both gone and goes into the woods to investigate. He finds the two in the tall grass of the woods, and Michel stands and walks away. Going up to see what's going on, Franck finds Henri with his throat slashed and bleeding out. Unsuccessful at trying to save him, Henri tells Franck to let him die, as that is what he wanted. Fearful of his own life, Franck hides from Michel, who is searching for him in the woods. He spots the inspector walking around and suddenly hopeful for his safety, until Michel steps out of the woods and stabs the inspector in the stomach. Franck again hides, while Michel shouts his name, begging him not to leave. Night begins to fall, and Franck no longer hears Michel shouting for him. He stands up from his hiding spot and begins to shout Michelle's name into the darkness.
0: Fiend. All
1: right, but well, that's a pretty bare-bones synopsis of this movie, which in itself is a pretty bare-bones kind of movie. I would definitely agree with that. Right. I mean, but the reception for Stranger by the Lake is phenomenal.
0: Yeah, it's got a Rotten Tomatoes score of 93%, with uh, a critical consensus that reads... Sexy, smart, and darkly humorous, Stranger by the lake offers rewarding viewing for adult film goers in search of thought provoking drama. I almost agree with all of that sort of some like like
1: what's the word I'm looking for um consensus.
0: Did you find it humorous? I did not find it darkly humorous at all, really. I didn't laugh at all in this movie. I mean, maybe a little bit with there was like this one dude in the woods that was like. Oh, yeah. yeah, There was like a little bit of weirdness. Or in his like his. uh, It was more darkly humorous because it was just awkward. Yeah. Or when his husband
1: shows up at the beach that one particular time or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that would be funny. But by and largely, I wouldn't say it's darkly humorous. No.
0: Metacritic gave the score a film of 82, based on 26 critics, indicating universal acclaim.
1: And uh, reviewing on Roger Ebert's website, Michael—oh my god, I have to read that word? Olishek? How do you say it? Olishek? Michael Oleshek awards the film four out of four stars, praising Guérardy's direction and acting of the cast. He writes that Stranger by the Lake is the sexiest and most elegant
0: thriller in years. The Village Voice film critic uh, Melissa Anderson calls the film Guérardy's – god, I can't say that fucking name – Guérardy? Yes, Gerge's most sexually explicit and narratively taught work, adding that the writer director's attention to anarchic pull of lust, simultaneously celebrated and reproved here is sharper than ever.
1: Um, are you aware of Gerge's like other work? Like I not really. So, I mean, obviously he makes like sexually explicit movies in France, perhaps. I mean, if Mayhaps. it's his most. Mm-hmm. And this one is Pretty most. We'll get to that in a minute, I'm sure. In January of 2014, the film was nominated for eight Caesar Awards at the 39th Annual Caesar Awards with Pierre Delonchamp, winning the award for Most Promising Actor. Interesting.
0: So, I mean... This wasn't a huge release. Uh, it was made for a budget of $1.3 million and made a box office of $1.6. I don't know how much marketing went out for this, but... You could say it made its money back, but depending on the marketing, it didn't.
1: I mean, I will say that. I mean, when the movie was released at Cannes, and I, I heard things about it, I heard that it was, you know, a gay horror movie first of all, and that it had some very explicit sex. Mm-hmm. And it was always sort of on my list of things to watch, and I just never got around to to doing it. Yeah. So, I mean, they probably could have benefited from a little bit more marketing. I. Don't remember this movie ever playing anywhere in the states. I'm sure that it must have, but maybe.
0: I mean, <clears throat> might have done a run like in uh you know, smaller theaters and, you know. I mean, it's possible art
1: house or something like yeah, that. Yeah, art house theaters. And you would think that something like this you would find on like a streaming service or something at this point, but you really have to go and search for this movie in order to watch it. No,
0: I just watched it on Amazon.
1: Yeah, I mean, but it's not just, like, there. No one's, like, putting it in your
0: face ever. I oh, mean, no, and why would they?
1: And, it, I mean, you wouldn't really search for it unless you have heard of this movie or
0: wanted to see it. Or, yeah, you know. and also, like, you know, I don't watch – I generally don't watch French movies. Okay. Uh, you know, so based on the algorithm, Amazon's going to show me things that are in English, Right. True. Based on my watching history and for most pe- English speaking people or people speaking their own language, unless you're watching a lot of French movies, it's probably not going to put that in front of you. So this is ticking off a bunch of th- things in the algorithm like uh, LGBT, um, as well as French, uh, foreign language, horror, all these things. So I, I just don't think that's, you know, a lot of people are getting those boxes ticked off for them in that algorithm. So that's probably why, but it's there if you want to watch it, it's on Amazon. And I have
1: to say, like moving forward, I, I could possibly be just a, the tiniest bit biased in this conversation because, hey, I'm a gay man and B, I'm a Francophile and I love anything that has to do with French culture. Sure. I, I love French cinema. I especially love French horror. And I sort of like really embrace everything that is involved in that culture, specifically to others in the world.
0: Although I would argue that this film is fairly stripped bare of culture in a way. Right. Because it could almost have taken place, you know, on Fire Island or something in New York. Well, exactly. I mean, and it's really not
1: stripped of culture in that particular sense, because the culture that it's trying to show you is like gay culture. Yeah. Right. I mean, so there are many places around the globe that gay men sort of flock to in their own particular countries. Right. Things like Fire Island here in the United States or even specifically here in Texas, things like Hippie Hollow. Right. We all have a place like this where we can go and be free and, you know, a sort of like sexual or like nude sunbathing sense, whatever you want to do, right? Sure. So. Uh,
0: although I think this one's more to do with the actual sex, the cruising, right? Not just about the sunbathing and stuff. I think like Hippie Hollow is more of like a, you can be naked, but there's no sex, right? Oh, I Certainly mean, there's not supposed to be any sex. But uh, I
1: mean, even in this particular sense, at this particular lake, th- even the sunbathing is not supposed to be nude, right? They yeah. say that. Is it legal? And here's like, well, people do it anyway or whatever, right? Yeah. I mean, and so I mean, I've mean i been to Hippie Hollow, and there's lots of naked people, I mean, men and women, right? But I mean, there's also woodsy areas around it, and I'm not going to kid myself. I'm sure that people are doing
0: some things in that woods they shouldn't be doing sure anyway. of course I' remember walking on Fire Island and seeing those bags of condoms hanging on the trees <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my husband really wants to go to Fire Island and
1: I'm I'm just like well I mean like he's got it built up in his head and I'm like I don't want you to be disappointed when you get there and it's not yeah know. it wasn't
0: yeah it's yeah. not like like this movie like makes it seem like man this is like they all hang out in this one spot and they're all just like intercoupling with one another over and over and over again and going into the woods and like you can't you can't basically walk walk through this was without tripping on someone having sex. Like that's not Fire Island either, right? No, so not. this is a little maybe a little heightened for this.
1: Well, yeah, I'm so. sure
0: that there's a lot going into the the the
1: fictionalization of cruising, you know, in this particular movie. Um but I I think that since you talk about over and over again, I think that one of the things that we see in this particular movie that I think is you know sort of representative of people in you know, a cruising environment is sort of the ritual of what they go through, right? Yeah.
0: And the, the, the director did say that the setting of the film was based on his own experience, um, a real lakeside cruising ground that he knew and experienced, right? So although it's not shot at that particular lake or part of the lake that he experienced – Um, this was based off of his own experience. And uh, so Chris and I were talking off mic
1: about the time period in which this movie would take place. It's sort of really unclear, but we know from the director that he said it was a very personal experience, a lake that he had visited before. And we get some sort of clues that he gives us here and there, the make of cars and maybe like some of the attire that people are wearing. And combined with his own personal life, I think we've sort of like pinpointed it to you know, like the late 80s or early 90s
0: right yeah probably yeah. early 90s based on the, the car conversation they have like oh they don't make that anymore it's super interesting and that car in particular based on our sleuthing uh, stopped getting <laughs> made around 92 so mm-hmm. this might be uh, early to mid 90s so the director also said it was a very personal film for him because of course the film is directly addressing and dealing with his own sexuality on screen in an explicit manner very explicit uh, yeah, I was, I mean, I'm no prude, but I was a little shocked. Yeah, I wasn't, I'm not used to seeing this. I mean, I've seen nudity. I'm comfortable with nudity. It's natural. Right. You know, right. Sex is natural. Right. But of course I'm just not seeing, I'm not used to seeing like erect penises. No. And hardcore sex happening. or I wouldn't say hardcore. They allude to that obviously, but they, they do show like, uh, ejaculation. Yeah. And all of that, like at least twice, I think, in this well, film. And
1: they show, I mean, a person's mouth on an erect penis in this movie.
0: Oh, yeah. And of course, they don't show the full face because, well, yeah. uh, of course, the hardcore shots were filmed using body doubles. Uh, because he thought that would be asking too much of the actors to have sex on camera, obviously. Uh, but he also stated the problem that professional actors couldn't get strong enough erections. So he thought (laughs) it best to use body doubles, (laughs) but he had actually flirted with the idea of casting porn actors in the two lead roles, but he didn't like their acting. So he went around and, and cast professional actors instead, but he did, uh, he did audition porn actors. And thank God, because I can imagine, I mean,
1: like, okay, let's be clear, everybody, I mean, we've all seen some porn, right? Uh-huh. And we know the kind of acting that's involved in that sort of thing. And we don't need somebody coming up on this beach, you know, talking about a 12-inch sausage. I mean, well, it's French, so, I mean, whatever that is, in, yeah. like centimeters. But, um, I mean, so we, we need to have a good level of acting. And I think – I I really think that the acting in this movie is
0: great. I, I love it. Yeah, it was pretty solid acting. Yeah. Uh, of course, the explicit parts, there would have even been more had the actual like porn actors refused. Mm-hmm. He wanted to actually show penetration shots, uh, but they refused because he didn't want condoms in the film to be more authentic for the cruising, I guess. And they refused to do any penetration without condoms.
1: So can you imagine if he actually had those penetration shots in this in this movie? Right. And if you're an audience that can, I think that the cut of the movie that he ended up with is perfect. I think that if you went a little bit beyond this, I think that there would have been some sort of backlash against this movie. And there's not. Surprisingly, people accept this movie just for what it is. What's interesting is there,
0: there was a lot more backlash about the poster.
1: Oh, I know. And that's ridiculous, too, because it's like a fucking painting, right? So. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I I think that the level of, like, sex that he showed was, was, was perfect. It was shocking enough, but tasteful enough, and I think it furthered the story along.
0: I, you know, maybe. I, I mean, movies have been doing this for, for decades, you know, just by hearing someone panting loudly that they've, you know, completed, right? Without actually showing the full event. But, you know, now I've seen people come in a mainstream movie, so... Yeah. Well, there's always that. Good I mean, on him. So one thing that I'd like to talk about is just how bare bones this movie is. Uh, it was done really, really simple. There, there's no – like the crew was never over like 20 people, right? It was shot in 30 days. They did natural lighting when they were shooting it. Um, all of the sounds in the film – we're shot on location as far as like the sound of the waves and the trees and nature and everything else. There's literally zero music in this film, either non-diegetic, like a musical score or diegetic, like on-screen music, like playing in a car or something. Right. Like you just don't hear it at all. Not even the cars like going in and out of the parking lot are playing any music apparently. Nope. Like there's just nothing. And uh, I thought that was very interesting, very bare bones. And it was actually originally two hours and 18 minutes long. It's actually a lot longer than it currently is with a lot more sex scenes instead of like cutting away to nature and a lot more dialogue scenes. And I'm kind of glad that he, he, he kind of cut it down, mm-hmm. uh, to this because it does have a nice pacing. Uh, I didn't get bored exactly. No. Um, it always kept your interest and it moves along very steadily and rhythmically. And I thought that was important well, to I get this that- to succeed the way it did.
1: All those cutaway scenes to nature, right, just sort of like add to the environment. I think that this movie does a really good job of immersing you into the world in which you're being presented. I mean, not everyone knows what it's like to go to a lake or a beach that is a cruising ground for gay men. And he... Brings you in in such a way as a director that makes you part of the story. You feel like you're a person there at that lake sort of watching the drama unfold. Yeah. Even when you're seeing POV from a character standpoint.
0: And it was interesting because a lot of people try and do that with like a handheld camera where it's like documentary style or whatever. But this is all very smooth, right. steady shots. And yet you're still kind of immersed in this world. Uh, without having to to do that kind of messy camera work mm-hmm. um but it is a very clean film um, yeah like the way it was done uh and i'll, I'll definitely give it that
1: it's, i mean it's minimalist and it's it's fantastic i there are often times and we, we talk about score on this podcast quite a bit i think we're both fans of music and film either be it like you know yeah you know pop or the score itself and I didn't notice the absence of music I in did. this movie. I did. And I, I know that you would, And we, I've had
0: these conversations where music can make or break a film. Yeah. I would be super interested to see what a score could do for this film. Because a lot of the acting in here is kind of... Um, subsumed sub something sub under the layers wrapped in and the onion layers of this film. Yeah. Because the guy is like, you know, one of the guys is like his friend, um, the older friend that had tried Henri? to get over. Yeah. Uh, I can't say any of these names. Um, was <laughs> the last time I make you watch it. Yeah. Movie, like I, I can promise. tell you how to pronounce like German and Eastern European, but you can, you can tell me how to pronounce the French. Like I can't do it. We'll just call him Henry. Yeah. I was like, Wojciech. Why can't you say Wojciech? <laughs> <laughs> because Why can't say like, I don't, I don't know. If, like, yeah. I can't like, yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> we we have our problems. But um, no, like uh, it's – he's supposed to be like depressed to the point of suicide or whatever. Right. And um, I'm used to a little bit more melodrama in my acting to foreshadow that kind of thing a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the frustration that Franck feels with Michel and vice versa eventually, you know. All of that is kind of wrapped in and in a way a little bit more realistic for I think how – most well adjusted mature people would act which is kind of refreshing but uh it also was kind of surprising in character motivations like there's a part in this film like i was completely on board right until he witnesses his crush killing someone literally drowning someone to death in the lake where he's while well, he's watching from his hidden point in the wooded area right so as soon as he's watching this happen he's like well i'm not going to call out i'm not going to save him one because i have a crush on this guy like I put myself into that situation. I cannot put myself into those shoes. I cannot feel empathy at that point. I don't know if I have some sort of internal hardcore – you know, wired morality or something about that sort of thing, but like I would be the guy that's like, "Stop what you're doing! Get out of the water! What the <laughs> fuck do you think you're doing? Get away from him!" You know, all that stuff. You might have something to do with a near drowning experience I had. I don't know, but I feel like if someone was trying to like set someone on fire or like hit someone with a brick, I'd do the same thing. And if the guy is just not not shouting out and just just because he has a crush on the dude, he looks terrified when Michelle is walking away. I think that he
1: he is like literally. Scared to death at that exact moment. He doesn't know what to do. Well, obviously
0: not, because the very next day, he's trying to get in the guy's pants immediately. And then, not only that, but later on, he gets in the water with him. Right. And it's just like knowing that this is what happened to the last guy he was with. And Whoa. he just knowingly does that. And I'm just like, okay, he gets into the
1: water with him first before the guy dies. He sees him swimming. He gets into the water with him in a chance to like bump into him while they're yeah, in the yeah, lake. Yeah, he
0: purposely does that. Yes. Right. And
1: that's the same day he gets the hand job from the rando, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. After the hand job, he sits there in that wooded cover and watches this long... Four minute POV shot of him mm-hmm. drowning somebody, right? And we don't see his face again until Michel is gone. And he, Frank still sits there until darkness falls to even get up. He's that terrified. Of his yeah, situation. he doesn't want to,
0: he doesn't, I think with the primary motivation there is that not that he's scared, but that he doesn't want Michel to know that he saw. I don't. I disagree completely. Want, uh, I think that he is
1: terrified think. because even the next, he knows. He knows what happened to that guy, and it, whenever he shows up the next day, he's constantly lo- looking at the, the the blanket or the towel and the shoes that are left from the guy that was drowned. Yeah, of course. He knows. He knows, right? Them. And he is still. He's actually terrified of Michelle himself, but strangely, and attracted. Still,
0: yeah, and still completely goes after him. Like completely soon, right after that, and and this
1: is, I mean, like this is when the movie really takes a a a different tone.
0: It 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 tries to show you like how far desire can go, right? Yeah, no, totally, and that's what I got. Like that's what I got from that was that his desire for this dude was so strong that he was willing to overlook a murder and then like the very next day go after him again.
1: Well, I would go even further than that. That's why I would say say he wasn't
0: scared to death because if he was scared to death, you would think he wouldn't a show up there again or b literally go after the guy again like the next day.
1: Well, and this is when I think that the desire shown in this movie is not just necessarily the desire for one particular person. I think the desire shown in this movie is the desire on Frank's place to have a person of his own to have a boyfriend or a lover or a husband or something. He wants it so, so badly that he's willing to overlook yeah. a particular flaw.
0: Totally. And so the next well, time. As <laughs> flaws go. I mean, yeah. I mean, like there's
1: a big one. But you hear stories. He's a murderer, all this,
0: but I love him. <laughs>
1: you hear stories he's all so the time cute. about like serial killer spouses who are like there's no way you could have known what they were doing and they're like no i had no
0: idea i mean like clearly of course this isn't really like a familiarity issue though right this is a guy that's like had a mad crush on him didn't know him at all no but i I even
1: think that i mean like sometimes if you find somebody and you're so like deeply set in your attraction or in even as their relationship grows he falls in love with him
0: yeah and i think i I, get that intellectually but The fact that he just like goes straight back to him and tries to hide so that from your point of view, he won't find him and get killed from my point of view, so that he knows that if Michelle knew that he was watching and saw what he had done, that he wouldn't have a chance with him because he'd be too paranoid that he'd go to the cops or this or that. Well, right. and I, I think it, too, it might be a mix of both equally. Even. I mean, it, it really is. It, it I mean, it's very I, conflicted, right? It's very conflicting, but not conflicting enough to, to where he went back and, and decided to pursue that relationship again. But this is where I kind of checked out morally from like the film, and I started to really more identify with like the friend on the beach, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit more. And then it kind of does that surprise where he kind of kills, he, he, he knows also that the guy somehow was a killer. And uh, just based on what the detective's kind of boiling down to. Well,
1: I mean, I think that – And then
0: basically goes and baits him into killing him.
1: Well, he says to he I mean, at at that particular conversation by,
0: you know, death by cop in a way, like death by murderer. Right. mm. You're baiting this known murderer.
1: He says to Frank that you are too enamored of him to realize what all of the rest of us on this beach seem to think,
0: which is is a weird dude. Yeah.
1: That This guy is like mysterious and bad. Yeah. Right. And I mean, we have spent the greater part of this movie. I mean, after the murder the entire movie is about their relationship right mm-hmm. and how they are growing to either love each other in their
0: own particular yeah and they way. go back and forth a little bit which I which I liked where uh he got a little too close and Michelle kind of rejected that but then Michelle uh kind of gets a little too close and gets jealous and again, mm-hmm. they have that back and forth and so you're thinking oh maybe he's not the same maybe he doesn't want to kill him maybe he's not like a serial killer or something and maybe well, and that I, was just context- I think
1: that specific. that is that is Frank's actual point of view in that movie he's like i think if he can love me enough to not kill me then i have found someone i can be with right i, I know that yeah. he can kill people so but clearly he won't kill me because he loves me and i think that the, yeah. the, the scene that really shows that the most is the next time they get into the water when michelle is like come for a swim with me yeah. and frank already knows what happens when you're alone on the beach with michelle and you go into the water with him yeah. he's like no i'm not gonna do that and he sits there on that beach and then he goes in and he watches him swim. And he goes in anyway. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know what? I love this man. I know what can possibly happen. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And he gets into the water and you're like, well, this could be the end of the movie. He could kill him right now. Yeah. But he doesn't. They kiss. And then they fuck right there on the beach. You know what I mean? And then for I mean, even for a brief moment, the viewer can be like, well, maybe he's not going to kill him or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even that sort of suspicion continues on. I mean, like they, they go back and forth between like... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this movie in itself can be wrapped up in a synopsis of he knows something that he knows something that he also knows that he knows and someone else (laughs) knows that he knows. And then here we are. You know what I mean? And so I don't I mean, people keep calling this a Hitchcockian movie. I don't see that at all, really. I mean, it certainly put the cock back in Hitchcock. But (laughs) I mean, fuck. So, I mean, I don't know. So Hitchcock likes to make I mean. He makes movies that are similar. I mean, like, we, yeah, we, there's lots of voyeuristic qualities in a Hitchcock movie, right? And it's certainly not unheard of that Hitchcock makes a movie where someone witnesses a murder of another. I mean, like, Rewindow does this sort of thing, sure. right? I mean, so I mean, yeah, I can see the Hitchcockian qualities in this. I think the motives in these characters are totally different than the motives in a Hitchcock movie. I think yeah. those, those characters have a different means to an no,
0: end. No, I can see why they would say it, but I disagree with it. Um, but there's shades of it, I guess, in a way, some sort of subsumed mystery. But we, but the difference is mainly, especially with uh, those earlier Hitchcock films, where you know maybe the murderer isn't really like uh, shown until the end or something, right? Yeah. But um, what did you think about the ending? Because it was it was really to me kind of ambiguous. So essentially, what happens is that Frank is like going on his way, sees the detective or whatever. Who, of course, he's also kind of implicated in these because mm-hmm. he witnessed and the detective's doing a good job at his, you know, work and knows that the guy knows something. Anyway, anyway, he witnesses Michelle uh, murder the detective, come out of nowhere and kind of murder him, stabbing him in the stomach, and so he stays hidden until night, complete nightfall. was because mm-hmm. like, it's already twilight, and um, and then of course it ends with Frank at the end. Calling out, deciding against it again, making that same choice again, and calling out Michel's name in the darkness. Right. Well, and
1: this is after Michel has been standing there calling Frank's name. At that point, yeah. Right. So Frank is hiding. He's scared. He's he's seen people die. He's seen his good friend die, and Michel is calling his name, and he's saying like, "Frank, Frank, come out! Please don't leave me." He's saying all the things yep. that he wants to hear right and Frank waits until there's nothing silence right and then he gets up and starts screaming Michelle's name
0: into the darkness right yeah, like he had made that decision again like I'm gonna get over my fear and I'm just gonna to you know put my faith in this relationship
1: I love this ending you know what I mean yeah. and I, I, I find it ambiguous for different reasons like I don't I don't think that or let's just say like, I don't care. I don't care if Michel is standing there waiting to murder
0: Frank So the, imbi- and the ambiguity of that is that you don't know if he's calling his name to be with him again, really, or if he's calling to see if he's there. I think that that's he's calling he his name to be with him. Yes. I think and that, that's the original yeah. ending, too. And they right. just shortened it, essentially. Because in the original ending, ending the uh, they show uh Frank looking for Michel again... Um, And then, of course, the two then kiss and make up and then drive away together. So that's that's, a terrible ending. I mean, so it ends basically after he says, Michelle, Michelle, they show up, they kiss, they embrace, (laughs) they drive away together finally. And that's the end of the the story. Yeah. Right. So, like I said, I kind of checked out fairly early in this film with putting myself in any kind of shoes or empathetic spot with a protagonist. Right. Um, because of that first choice, like to me, that's just a boner killer. You know, I witnessed someone kill someone. Sorry. Like, and I, I just could not empathize any further. Obviously I'm in the minority because the vast majority of people that see this film, at least critics, uh, film lovers love this film. Like, it's, it's universally acclaimed. Well, I don't know and if they I just, like it because of, like,
1: its technical achievements or something like that, I think I, I thereof, think if they, but... they
0: hated the story, it wouldn't have that score, right? If they hated it, they, and then that would be in the critic consensus. It would say that, despite a, a lacking story or morality, you yeah. know, or something, okay. right? No. This is universally, you know, acclaimed or whatever, and it's thought-provoking and everything else. But I stopped provoking my thoughts <laughs> after, like, after that choice was made, and I just Kind of checked out of that. Um, now after that, I was like studying the film, like from a filmmaking point of view and stuff, so I get it. I did not hate this film. Uh, I just, I just. Didn't really like it. <laughs> but I like I said, I know I'm in a minority here. And I have to so, disagree. I mean, I yeah. have said on this
1: podcast before, I have talked about movies that I didn't like because I could not empathize with the character or there's not a likable character. Right. Yeah. I mean, whether or not like you can empathize with somebody, if there's not someone you actually root for or whatever. Yeah. I mean, like I get it. You know, it completely ruins a, a film or a story even. But I sort of do root for Frank. I mean, I because I I I've, I get it. He's lonely, you know, and he he desperately wants yeah. a connection. Sure. He has that kind of desire, not just for sex, but just like to connect with a person. And you see that because. He talks to Henri on the beach, somebody that he he tells Henri when they have the, his whole, like, come to Jesus part of it. Where He's like, I love you like a friend. You make my heart race. I want to see you every single day. But it's not about sex. Mm-hmm. And Frank's like, yeah, you know, like he doesn't want to sleep with him, but he he appreciates that kind of connection. And I can put myself in that situation of being a lonely gay man who just wants to be with someone somebody, you sure. know, yeah. especially when you first come out of the closet, you know. And so, yeah,
0: I, come hell or bloody water. <laughs> and I mean like
1: I I know that you and I are good people and if we see someone murder somebody else, I mean like we're not going to go like pursue them afterward, right? But I mean in this guy's particular situation, I think that he was scared. I think he was apprehensive, And I think that his desire sort of like took him over to a point that he really wanted to test him and say, yeah, like, fair enough. I, I don't think he's going to kill me. Yeah, Right. And also I think that... I mean, for whatever convoluted reason was in his brain to continue pursuing Michelle, maybe he thought it was a one-off or something like that, which doesn't excuse anything. But I mean, at the end of the day, this is a horror adjacent movie.
0: Well, I thought he had a good head on his shoulders, and like, oh no, he doesn't. You know, and yeah, apparently not. And then you know, he like makes that decision. Like, no, you're a trash person. Like, you're just trash. Like that's what my view of him was after that. I'm like, you're not going to help save this guy. You're not going to do anything about it. You're not going to at least tell a detective. You're not, you're still going to show up the next day and try to bone this guy.
1: Yeah.
0: That's where I checked out. And I, mean, I, and, I know. Yeah. And I mean, the
1: the thing is, is that like this particular storyline has it's not unheard of in like cinema, you yeah, know? Yeah. I mean, like Hitchcock even has storylines like this about like loving someone, you know, is a murderer, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, like we said, there, there are some real life examples of this sort of thing. I mean, it's not completely unheard of. Yeah. Um. And then, like I said earlier too, I was completely immersed in this particular movie. And I think that even, if, even if I were in that particular situation, I might have a clouded judgment. I don't know. I mean, everyone's had some attraction to someone that you know is not right or whatever, but I don't know. I think the entire time I was watching this, I just kept putting myself into the shoes of, you know, a 16 year old Robert coming out of the closet or wanting to, right? And to to understand what it's like to be attracted to someone that you shouldn't be with, quote unquote, to the people who tell you that or, you know, what you want and what your desires are and to be completely so lonely that you just want whatever companionship you have as long as it fits that particular box, mm-hmm. right? And I, I just, I love it. I, I love this movie for that.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I just, I, I keep, I uh, completely get that. And they do bring that message home. Um, and I get the motiv- motivations and the things that are trying to make you think about uh, as far as like the nature of uh, attraction and longing and or loneliness. even the nature and, of love. I because mean, even like... the, the ancillary stories are about that. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's a, that relationship with the guy that tries to go out and get some other bone. There is the friend there that has platonic love, mm-hmm. you know, that he's getting over an old relationship and there's all of the the aftermath for all of these things. Right. But at the same time. I'm just like okay, this this guy, he's at this casual place where you can hook up with almost anyone, and he has to choose this one guy. Hey, you, you know mean, that first or second day, and it's just.
1: I mean, I mean, we watched the movie. I mean, hopefully, listeners, you've also watched the movie, and hopefully, you understand like the attractiveness of men or whatever. But I mean, like, if you look at the people on that beach, you know what I mean, and you had to pick one person to sleep with. I mean, like,
0: they did try and find someone that looked like Tom Selleck. And he so. does. He yeah, does look like Tom Selleck. They purposefully yeah. did that. Yeah,
1: it was amazing how similar they look. I mean, and he—he's a charismatic person. I mean, like, I mean, I've never seen him in another movie or anything like that. But it, I mean, if 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 that's just how he acted as a real life person, I would be attracted to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was friendly. He had a nice smile or whatever. You know, I mean, I just, I also go back to like, I mean, like love in general. When you fall in love with somebody. Um, you're sort of blind to their faults, right? I mean, even though you, you may recognize it, you sort of, like, dismiss it, right? And murder's a really big
0: fucking fault. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking <laughs> of things <laughs> like, oh, they, you know, they can't, you know, they're passive-aggressive, or they might do a little white lie every once in a while, or... But not drown somebody in a the lake. they don't take <laughs> showers, I don't know. <laughs> but if I witness them murder someone... I don't know. I think that would uh, – no, I do know that I would be running the opposite direction after I you know, tried to save that person. But They're probably
1: running after you too in a real-life situation. Yeah. They should be
0: killing me and not the other person. I don't know. I'm just Oh. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, no. I'm like, I'm not going to sit there and watch. I'm not going to be complicit to that. No. no. That's – I would feel horrible for that. No.
1: Well, and he continues that complicity too because he lies to the oh, detective so, like so many fucking so times. So complicit.
0: And that <laughs> He might as well be a murderer himself.
1: And that inspector comes to him and sort of is like, okay – I get what you're saying because at every opportunity, every character in this movie goes to Frank and tells them, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Yeah. You know, from Henri on the beach saying, like, you're too enamored of this guy to understand exactly what's going on to yeah. the inspector saying, like, have you ever stopped to consider that the lifestyle you're living is probably a little dangerous? He was like, it's OK to be gay, but maybe it's not OK to like come out here and fuck strangers or whatever. You know, he was like, you should be worried about yourself now and he's yeah. like the look on his face at that point is like oh maybe you're right and then the very next scene he's just like oh Michelle <laughs> you know? so yeah. I mean I get it I mean he makes bad 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 choices yeah it's hard to watch I really love in this movie the rituals that go on right I mean like they 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 show the progression of time so well and are really... Almost annoying way. Right. When all the cars are like pulling in and everything. So, you know, it's a different day. But it's 10 days. But it goes to show like the rituals that are going on in this particular area. It's always the same cars. They're just parked in different spots. Mm -hmm. Right. He walks out. It's always the same thing. He walks from his car to the beach. People look at him awkwardly right and those camera shots of people like looking straight into the camera even make me feel awkward yeah he takes his clothes off he goes in the water he comes back in he goes to the woods and fuck whatever you know rinse what I mean? repeat <laughs> yeah and that's exactly what people do day in and day out in this particular place right and i mean again I I've never done that sort of thing as a gay man you know and I would like to think well I don't even like to think I can't even say that it's unheard of because people still do it today but yeah. I think that cruising for us now has taken on a more like technological standpoint right? sure of course I like, mean like the grinder age. yeah all grinder stuff, and yeah. scruff is essentially just cruising you're just doing it from the comfort of your fucking toilet or couch <laughs> or whatever you <laughs> well, know what I mean sure and so I just like I love that the way this movie just starts and finishes each particular segment with that with that car
0: you mm-hmm. know him driving in and I love that yeah, Michelle, essentially they're they're all going hunting and fishing every day yeah. and that's basically it I mean I just I love it i I don't, just different tackle
1: I have not seen a movie that really talks about that particular aspect of gay life since the movie Cruising itself, you know, from like 1980, the Al Pacino movie. Yeah. And then more recently, uh, the movie Devil's Path, which mm, I seen that. just came out this year. I talked about it on a previous Shooting the Flames episode. And it's an American movie about cruising. Um, And it tries in its own way to be Hitchcockian in its plot. And the plot gets a little too convoluted. But there are some Amazing differences between what an American movie about cruising is like post 1980. And a French movie of what cruising is like. Right. And so like we have Gilles like version of cruising where he goes so far as to be as ballsy as to have these like hardcore sex scenes. Right. And the American yeah. one is so watered down that there's like the briefest of like sex scenes in this movie about gay men cruising in the woods. You sure. Know? There's no actual sex in that movie. And it just <laughs> pisses me off. Uh, how do you feel gay sex and gay life was portrayed in this movie? I mean, as 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 somebody who has watched movies about gay people before, I mean, do you think that this is more of a celebration or not about gay life?
0: Neutral, because so this film and especially if you um, uh, compare it to some other movies, let's take Cruising, for example. Right. They share a lot of the same tropes. Uh, which includes like all gays are promiscuous, right? That's a trope. So this one is possibly averted due to the highly contextual nature of the film. It's centered around a cruising spot, right? Right. So they're supposed. So to all, be all the gays are going to be there. Are essentially going right. to be promiscuous. Uh, barrier gays. The vast majority of victims in this film are gay. Um, again possibly subverted or averted rather by the highly contextual nature of the film. It's literally, well, they, there's no other yeah. person to bury right? uh, cast full of gay with the possible exception of the detective who knows uh, manly gay, pretty much the entire cast. No one is seen having a particular camp or effeminate moment. Um, um you might you might say like the like the guy is like significant other at some point. Maybe. Yeah, he was the only one that was remotely feminine. Yeah, right? yeah. Even remotely. You know, so there's it's just interesting to me, like if you're a straight person and you're not you're not part of any kind of subset of the of gay culture, if there is such a thing, right? Yeah. Um, are you gonna watch a film like Cruising or Stranger by the Lake? And basically base off base your view of what gay is or to be gay is off of these films. And I think it's not the responsibility of these filmmakers to answer that question. No, never should be. No. Right. But at the same time, it's a little problematic to me that that's just the nature of humanity. They see something they're not familiar with and that's how they, that's their only judgment. That's their only experience. So that's their entire experience. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's the problem. With movies that are about being gay, right, um, versus that have gay in them, incidentally, right?
1: Well, and I think that this movie sort of like is on the cusp of those things. You know what I mean? I don't think that this movie is about being gay. No, you know? that's true. I think, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I do, and i I think that I think that the way that they explore this particular troubled relationship between Michelle and Frank is. I don't know. I mean, I have a mixed emotions about it too. But I mean,
0: obviously, like it, it is troubled and. Bad. He actually tried to make this between a straight woman and a straight man. They try. He tried to do this in such a way. I don't but understand that culture, how that would work. The culture doesn't exist, right, for public hookups like this in the same way. Exactly. Right. They have bars for that, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I That's mean, basically... we have bars for that too,
1: but we also have rest stops <laughs> and Home Depot. So I mean, like, no. oh, I, I mean, shit. I just think that I love. I love the fact that this movie crossed some taboo lines in film, like showing things like an erect penis and showing like an actual blowjob or a cum shot or things like that. I think that, ultimately it's a huge celebration of like gay sex. I did not feel bad about being gay watching this movie, despite even no. the, the inspector's yeah. warning about like, you but know. we're
0: also gay, right? Well, I
1: guess that's true. Someone could watch this and
0: have a, ju- like a moral judgment on it, even though the film doesn't have a moral judgment on it. You could say cruising from 1980 doesn't have a moral judgment, uh, which is actually impressive for its time. It's honestly. true. I mean, really, but I would say that just as a note for maybe any of you straight people that are, Watching these films, and this is like one of your only experiences outside of normal pop culture. But I would say the majority of gay people out there are not public cruisers like this, either in the sense of uh, cruising, like in the leather scene or whatever, or in this film where they're just very just like casual, generic public cruising right this thing is not something that all gay people do you know just like in cruising not everyone's into like fisting and stuff
1: right like or leather right I mean, it's
0: like just like you wouldn't watch like eyes wide shut and think, think that everyone goes to sex parties. every straight person you know is going to these sex parties with masks and everything else right so it's just it's like that so think of it like that right well and i think too
1: that i mean so the idea of sex Has always been something you don't want to talk about or I mean even people should not be looking for sex before they're married at a certain time point in American history or whatever. But that is not the case today. I think – I mean like we have Grinder and Scruff but even straight people have Tinder, right? And so there is a fair amount of cruising that is going on between like both straight and gay people and it's not unheard of for people to be promiscuous. And I think the idea of promiscuity today is far less taboo than it
0: was – Ten years ago, even. Sure. But even then, you're going to see a lot more, um I don't know, aggression against promiscuity when it's a woman or a gay man.
1: That's true. I mean, so it's perfectly fine for cis white straight men to go and – Well, I don't even They didn't those. have to be white. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's so straight men in general, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, like, just straight men can go out and, like, fuck whoever they want to. But, like, gay men and women, we're just, you know, the people who go to lakes and try to, like – Get a hand job from a rando or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yes, I know it's sorry. terrible, and I, I hope that people don't actually see us that way anymore. And I know that the movie Cruising itself caused that kind of controversy. I mean, that the gay community was up in arms about, you know, how it depicted gay men, and they didn't want them to think that this is what gay people were like. And I think we keep talking about Cruising okay, quite but, a bit. But in this yeah, movie. and yeah. it's
0: hard to say because it's like. You want to be sex positive and there's nothing wrong with sex. There's no, nothing wrong really with promiscuity. You know, it's like you you be careful for your own safety, I guess. But at the same time, it's like, what I want to just be careful of is, what, regardless of whether you have moral judgments on these things, you do have a view of a group of people. We, we Our brains are meant to organize and categorize information that's true. in order to make sense of the world around us. This is how we're built, right? It's nothing wrong with us per se, but we do simplify things and we put people in buckets. So if you're putting everyone into a cruising bucket or everyone to a fisting bucket or something, that's just not <laughs> the case. Oh my God, a fisting
1: bucket. I think I would avoid that bar at all costs. <laughs> the fisting
0: bucket. That's do you want to go to the fisting? bucket (laughs) no no i'm going to the ramrod yeah
1: thank you ramrod only going to the manhole yeah
0: um i think the
1: one final thing i wanted to say about this movie is that i really enjoy movies especially but also stories that have a very limited like setting and a very small cast of characters I think that they tell the most compelling
0: stories yeah and I like films like this because we have very good discussions about them honestly
1: yeah I mean with so few characters and a very small setting it really opens up the conversation about the differences between like how you feel and how a character feels and you get to talk about these sort
0: of things yeah there's not one simple path of understanding this film like there are with so many others right. obviously just listening to to myself and Robert discuss this is obvious that there's different ways you can take this film and react to this film and mm-hmm. that's just one of those things that this film can take credit for
1: and i will say so i watched this movie several weeks prior to this particular recording and i just loved it so much that i got onto letterboxd and rated it 5 stars and chris subsequently watched it and we had some small conversations we try to keep those conversations minimal so we can do this recording thing and then i watched it again last night right before this recording and i was expecting to sort of downgrade my review a little bit not because i was influenced by what he had to say but i thought that maybe circumstances were so that i thought this movie was just like perfection and i did not downgrade my rating. I think this movie is about as close to a perfect movie, in my opinion, as there is. Wow. I can see myself watching this movie so many times and getting so much out of it every time that I watch it. I think it's a prime example of minimalist like cinema that sure. really lets the viewer make their own decisions about Everything that happens, and I just I, – I love it so,
0: so much. I'd still love to see what someone would do with a soundtrack for this, with a score. I'd love to see what a score could do for this film, whether it would – and be very interested, like, from a, that point of view, to see yeah. if it would hurt it or help it, depending on the score. It'd be interesting or Well, neutral. I mean,
1: if you are going to go back to, like, some Hitchcockian conversation, I mean, like, some of the best scores in – Cinema is from Hitchcock, right? And so, I mean, if you had something that's very similar to that, I mean, it could go a long way. But I really enjoy just like I was talking to my husband this morning, and we we're talking about the lack of score in this movie. He hasn't seen it yet. I really wanted to watch it, and I was just like, you know, like Chris really enjoys a film score.
0: I was thinking something like a lighter uh version, um, like a more melodic version of Under the Skin.
1: Uh oh, no. I <laughs> I think I think that th- this movie has a score though it does it features the score of nature oh
0: please I'm I mean, gonna come on. jump There's across like, this table and
1: I mean that's you. fine you can go ahead you can drown me in your pool as soon You're as we're done a little I mean, too artsy
0: for your I, own I, I can't
1: help it I mean just nature. like I've got such a fucking boner for this movie <laughs> and I mean like hearing the, the water and the, the leaves blowing in the trees and birds chirping uh. and p- perhaps <laughs> in the background a guy like having some fucking orgasm or something I have no idea I mean just like it's natural to me it sounds great And, I mean, I also love music and movies. The sound of film critics
0: furiously masturbating to this movie. (laughs) That's me. I mean, I can't help it. (laughs) Shit.
1: We can keep talking about this movie until the end of time. But um, I think that we have a couple more things to talk about. And first being, we have talked about the movie Cruising from 1980. Mm -hmm. So much in this particular podcast recording that I think... So our next episode usually is a top 10. Mm -hmm. Right. And I I really think it's Pride Month. We're talking about a movie about cruising that's more recent. I think that we should go and watch Cruising and then come back next week and talk about it a little bit more. The
0: 1980 Cruising with Al
1: Pacino. That's right. And Powers Booth. (laughs) powers booth in his really small role but uh yeah i haven't seen cruising in quite some time i'd like to revisit it and like do some sort of a comparison i mean like if we're gonna talk about like gay horror adjacency this is the month to do it in i mean what do you think right i mean
0: surprise guys you're getting two movies this month that's right let's do cruising next week so top 10
1: you out for this month but with that being said, here at the film flamers, we have a series of questions we like to ask about the movie that we've watched. Number one, Chris, is *L'Encante du Lac* a horror film?
0: Yeah, sure, definitely. No, yeah. on multiple levels. I definitely a psychological thriller for sure. Um, and that's always adjacent enough for me. So, I mean, you've got murder, you've got intrigue, you've got who done it, even though you know who done it. Um, you've got all that stuff. So there's yeah, multiple just, murders. I mean,
1: Cause I think the suspense is really not about who is the killer. It's whether or not he's going to kill one specific person.
0: Right. Yeah. And what they're going to do about the people that know about it are going to do about it. And, On
1: my first viewing of Stranger by the Lake just a few short weeks ago, I thought to myself, well, we finally have an answer to a question that's not something that we have said previously. And that's always, yes, this is a horror movie. I thought, no, this is not a horror movie until the last like few seconds of it. Like, really, it's not. But on my second viewing, of course it is. I mean, like the awkwardness of cruising, the scared like feeling you would get going into that sort of situation, like permeates this movie all about it. Not to mention the fact that the person that you are in love with could murder you at any fucking moment. It's safely
0: in horse horror adjacency. Right. So
1: agreed. And also, I mean, like in the pantheon of erotic thrillers, it's, I mean, it's up there. Sure. uh, Were you scared while watching stranger by the lake? No. No, not at all. Yeah, I really wasn't either. I mean, I I was I couldn't even say I'm on the edge of my seat.
0: Yeah, of everything that we've really there's not even that much suspense. No, there's really not. There is a little bit, I guess. If you're I mean, either he's going to kill him or he's not. Um, you know. Yeah.
1: And he was in so many situations with this particular person that he could have killed him a number
0: of times. The most suspense you feel is Franck in the hiding, you know, in those scenes. But that's that's right. really it, and there is no fear or jump or anything like that so. and
1: when a movie goes from like broad daylight into darkness i mean like you would feel a certain unease but like the transitions between like daylight and night in this movie are not for suspense reasons i think it's more of an artistic passage of time sort of thing right yeah. so they can't even like do that so no, for the first time in the history of our podcast i can safely say that i was not scared yeah watching a movie not even a little so and that's Almost unheard of because everything scares me. <laughs> so, and finally, and some would consider most important, who's the hottest guy in Stranger by the Lake?
0: Uh, who's the guy that that uh, played the Tom Selleck dude? Christoph Pau. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think. There's really no other person to say in this movie.
0: There's quite a few. I mean, like there. Franck
1: is, is attractive in his own like every man's sense. But uh that guy who plays Chris oh, I said his first name. Christophe Pau who plays Michel is some kind of fine, I think. I don't I mean in a weird like late eighties, nineties. Tom Salky kind of way. Yeah. yeah. I mean I would if I were at that lake. And, I mean, I'm going to France in September in just a couple of months, so really I should figure out where the fuck this lake is. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, here we are in a place where we have had so many movies with strong female casts, and here we have one that's all men, and just not even a question as to who's the hottest. So, I mean, whatevs.
0: They set it up that way.
1: Yeah. That's fine. Well, guys... If you've seen Stranger by the Lake, please tell us what you think of it. You can do that on social media, at The Film Flamers, on Facebook or Twitter, or you can send us an email at... TiredQueens at FilmFlamers.com That's right. You could also go over to Patreon.com slash The Film Flamers to find all of our bonus episodes, including sequel ideas for Stranger by the Lake, which will be posted in June for all your Pride Month listening pleasure.
0: And you can listen to that and all of our bonus content dozens and dozens of hours at this point for as little as $2
1: like we just said uh, we've decided to forego the top 10 next week and do cruising which I know I love and I think we probably have a lot to say about and especially in comparison to this one sure but don't forget that we have a brand new movie to cover in July and it's the seventh month of the year so what better time to cover seven that's right seven So uh, fire up those Blu-ray players and watch that movie
0: again. Everyone needs to revisit before we talk about it. And let your voice be heard. Call into our hotline with your questions and comments. Call 972-666-7733. And if you're a little shy and you don't want to do that, there's always
1: Apple Podcasts. You can go and leave us a five-star rating and review. We love to get those, and we always read them on our Shooting the Flames episode. Well guys, until next week when we cruise you once again with the movie Cruising. Sweet, Sweet dreams. Michelle. Michelle
0: Michel. Shut up you fucking murderer. <laughs> Bitch, that was Frank. <laughs>